everyone, it's another week of Find Your Film. This is for the week covering March 18th, I believe, March 18th, 2022. We have some interesting movies for you. We'll see how the outfit fits this week as far as, as movies go. It's, I think we have some uh, some pretty interesting movies. One movie stars Mel Gibson. Another stars Mark Rylance from Bridge of Spies. He's in a new movie. I mentioned the words, The Outfit. The reason why actually you're listening to this, some of our faithful listeners over at Find Your Film, usually you might listen to us on a Thursday. In posterity, on posterity, we're actually releasing this on Friday, a day later, because a day later and a dollar short is because for the Netflix release Windfall that we had an embargo for actually Friday at 12.01 a.m., Eric Holmes, you were you were saying about the the embargo for Windfall, where you kind of surprised. Actually, there really there is no embargo right now because when people are listening to this, the embargo is lifted. Were you surprised there was an embargo on Windfall whatsoever? Yes, it is now twelve oh two, and you're listening to this. And welcome <laughs> to Find Your Film. Uh, yeah, that I, I mean, we'll get into it, but that threw me off because usually, usually when they got embargoes like that close to release, it usually means the movie just sucks ass. But I mean, uh, in my opinion, anyway, that's not the case at all. So, uh, we'll, I mean, we'll get into it, but right, it's very, 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 very surprising to me. Yeah, we got we got it earlier in the week, and then they just they, they not, we love Netflix, and they they just said, hey, Friday morning, that's the embargo. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we'll get into it. Why why it might be an embargo? So maybe it might be the ending. Bruce, do you have any idea why Friday, the day of its release, twelve oh one? Do you have any ideas? If you were the marketing team for Netflix, why would you do such a thing? Mm, you know, maybe they want to surprise people. I don't know that it even exists <laughs> because there's so many releases on on Netflix that sometimes you don't even see. Them when they do come out, I would just ask twelve oh one. What time zone? A.M. A.M. Oh, oh, what time zone? Very interesting. Did they just? I mean, if it's I, Australia, we could release our episode on Thursday. I think, right. That's America. true. Twelve oh. You know what? I, I'm, I'm assuming because people in in Los Angeles, the the uh, cow town, industry town that Los Angeles is, I, I believe everyone believes that they're on Pacific time. As Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky have had to endure my PT time all the time, and I, I think that's why Bruce probably when they say twelve oh one, they think it's LA time. I, I think yes. I, I would I would like to throw this out in case there's anyone listening that works in marketing for movies. You should come on the show and tell us how all this stuff works because a lot a lot of these things like I seem to get a grasp on it, but then some things happen. I'm like I just don't get it. it I think it'd be cool to have someone on the show at some point to uh, just kind of uh, explain to us what their day to day is and how they how they figure all these things out. Because I mean I can speculate, but at the end of the day we don't know. But yeah, the, the, there, there's that, and there's uh, Fresh was another one. I, I don't think there was an embargo, but Fresh was another one. Was like, why, why didn't they push this harder? Because this movie's really good, and it, it doesn't make sense that they would just sit on it and you know hope that hope that word of mouth does its job, which it seems like it is, but I, I don't know. Well, okay, so let's get to Windfall right now before we get to the two other movies. This is our big movie of the week because all three of us have actually seen this movie. Here's the logline. It's a Hitchcockian thriller following a wealthy couple who arrive at their vacation home only to find it's being robbed by an interloper, a robber. The robber is played by Jason Siegel from How I Met Your Mother and also the very rich couple. They're played by, who are they played by? Lily Collins and Jesse Plemons. We all love Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons of Game Night fame. Bruce Perky, Jesse Plemons of what fame for you? Fill in the blank. I guess the first thing that comes to mind for me is Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. How about you, Eric Holmes? What comes to mind? Jesse Plemons. Uh, it's Breaking Bad, but he was also in Power of the Dog. So The Power of the Dog. Okay. Another, another Netflix movie. I, did, oh, I, I, I didn't thought, love it, but you guys did. And I do, yeah, and obviously I'm a Critics' Choice member. I, I voted for The Power of the Dog as the best film of the year, and it 
appropriately won the best film of the year. Probably Sam Elliott was not. I don't think Sam Elliott is a critic's choice voter. He would not have voted for The Power of the Dog. So glad that it's the number one film as far as Oscars. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to win the Oscar. I think it's pretty much a shoe in. Now, Windfall, again, it starts off as a Hitchcockian thriller. And actually, I, I trolled some of the messages on our, on our, on Facebook. Bruce, can you just talk about the opening score? What did it remind you of? Oh, yeah. I, I thought it sounded very, um, Bernard Herrmann, Herrmann esque, or at least it kind of felt like it was in that category. It was very bold, very, very bold uh, soundtrack. And that's why they mentioned a Hitchcockian thriller, because Bernard Herrmann is best known for his work, his extensive work with Alfred Hitchcock. Did you think the opening strains with that music, you're saying it's bold, did the bold gamble pay off regarding, or was it a, a good homage, or did you think, were you put off by the fact that it was trying to crib that era of cinema? Uh, it worked really well for the beginning, and then I don't think it paid off. Oh, you don't think it paid off. Okay, well, here's the thing. The movie, you know, it, it's, a, it's a Hitchcockian thriller. If you like Lily Collins, Jesse Plemons, and Jason Siegel, it's pretty much watching them act all around a really beautiful desert home, a desolate desert home. And when I mean desolate, there's no homes around it. They're such a rich couple that they have orange groves. They have a beautiful pool. They have just a great architecture. It's a visual feast as far as their home goes. And the rest of the movie, you just see this couple trying to finagle or bargain their, their way out of this sort of really big predicament they have. They end up being hostages of the robber. There is money involved. There is some kind of monetary compensation that's involved regarding windfall. Hopefully, the goal is for the robber to get out of this mess alive and for the couple to get out of this mess alive. And hopefully the robber leaves this whole situation a little bit richer. And most importantly, this rich couple leave with their lives. <laughs> they still, they're still alive. Eric Holmes, did this movie work for you overall, Windfall? Yes, it, it worked a lot. Kind of dragged a little bit in the middle, but then the uh, it, as simple as the premise was, well, first of all, it started off pretty funny. That There was a couple of scenes in that, that I laughed at. I'm also an idiot. And I didn't realize it was Jason Siegel <laughs> to at least about an hour into it. But uh, yeah, I, I liked it as a, uh, a setup you've seen before, but it, you know, had some uh, comedic moments to it. You know, it kind of dragged a little bit in the middle, but for me at the end, it picked up a lot and it, it got, it, it got pretty dark, but not in a way like movies like this usually do. Uh, it got kind of like emotionally dark because the uh, Lily Collins, you're following her character. And then, you know, it, it, it starts off like a, I want to get out of here with money. Okay. Just take the money and leave. We don't like Jesse Plemons character is like, dude, I'm a billionaire. Just who gives a shit? I just want to be here and fuck my wife. And it's like, Oh, okay. No, blah, blah. You know, it, it, it plays with those tropes a little bit at the end. You get to find out that this is, it, it feels more like a, feels more like a character piece, I guess, between uh, two couples and, you know, how strong or weak the relationship is. I can't talk about it here, but there's little bits with uh, Lily Collins' character at the end. They, uh, the camera points down at her feet, and when you watch the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. But uh, that part really got me, and I really love the ending. Can I say that it, it's not really a twist, but it, it was really emotionally satisfying for me. And so this would probably be like one of those uh, movies... I think it probably would have given it a five star, but like since the middle slowed down a bit, knocked it down to about four and a half. But I think oh, that good. that that uh, or knocked it down to a four. But then that ending, I I really I really loved the ending, and then that just kind of knocked it up to a four and a half for me. 
Eric, the writers here are Justin Later and one of your favorites, favorites, seven screenwriter, Andrew Kevin Walker. How was the script for you in general? Well, I didn't read the script, but uh, according to- I mean, to just the, the dialogue, the story, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, as soon as I saw Andrew, in, this may have informed my- uh, inform my thoughts on this because once i saw uh andrew kevin walker at the opening credits i'm like well i'm gonna love this one so you know t- take my review for what it is but I-, I think he's a really great writer and the scripts of his i have uh read are really good and he didn't write this by himself he co-wrote it with the director i believe yeah it says the credited so- writers yeah justin later is one of the writers and I- i'm sure that there's some story credits with maybe Charlie McDowell, who's a director as well. But yeah. The main okay. writers are Later and Walker. Okay. So I'm not familiar with the other writers, so I don't know what's Andrew Kevin Walker's and what's his. And I guess that's a good thing because if you got two different writers, you want it to feel, you know, it, you, if you have two different writers on the script, you don't want it to feel like there's two different writers on the script. And I guess if you compare the beginning and end of this, it, it definitely, it does a tonal shift. It's really, uh, it's not a, you know, hard shift like uh something like fresh but i really like the writing i liked how the story was simple and just kind of evolved into a uh, uh relationship uh character piece albeit a dark one all right that's four and a half from eric four and a half stars for eric holmes it says again hitchcockian thriller my favorite director is brian de palma one of my top five directors is Alfred Hitchcock. When you tab yourself as a Hitchcockian thriller, there's this thing called a mise-en-scene. Mise-en-scene means, well, whatever kind of style you can put into the narrative. What are the elements? We're going to talk about ingredients when we talk about this movie called Babette's Feast. And the ingredients for Windfall is correctly stated by Eric Holmes. A lot of it becomes a character drama. So it's more of a character drama than a Hitchcockian thriller. I was expecting from the Bernard Herrmann overtures at the beginning, a very interesting, trope-filled, visually enticing, immersive movie. I did not get that. I got a character-driven drama, which I ended up really enjoying for the drama, but I wanted more De Palma all over Windfall. But still, four and a half stars for Eric Holmes, three and a half stars for me. Where do you where do you rank in this, Bruce? I'm probably closer to you, Greg. I First of all, it's not Hitchcockian at all. If you think something's Hitchcockian, usually you think about suspense and the elements of Hitchcockian style suspense, and it does not have that. This is not what this movie's about. And I thought it started out very promising for me. I really liked the setup, the kind of just starting with their main character, Jason Siegel's character, and him just kind of a mystery of like, well, he's obviously robbing this house, but how's this working? How's this going to kind of play out? And then they they set up the stakes, and it's and it then the ball is set into motion. And you're like, okay, interesting. I want to see how this goes. And then it seems like it's going to end, and then something happens to make it continue. And that was interesting to me. I was I was on board, and I agree also with Eric's take on the the weird balance between humor and tension. And I think that's where the score failed this movie because the score doesn't properly convey a tone. I think that it sometimes has, or it confuses the tone for me. It really confuses the tone a lot, I think. So, and that's maybe my just my take. But I, sometimes I was like, "Is it funny? Is it tense? I am not even sure right now what it's supposed to be." And it's that old. that that could be good, but I think that's kind of a failure in this movie. And and I think you kind of need to know what it is at any given point. A couple of little nagging things. One nagging thing is, and I'm not going to say who this happens to. There's the introduction of a character in this movie at a point that I think is borderline tropey and borderline offensive because of who the character is, how their character is very broadly drawn and what happens to that character it's using a character as a plot device and that kind of character is often used as a plot device i think that's kind of not so great and i was kind of the opposite of eric i think the ending kind of let me down this is a movie i feel like should have reveals i feel like there should be unknown relationships and not twists per se but reveals that slowly unravel a 
a, a bigger picture. And I think this movie pretty much tells you what's happening. And it doesn't vary much from that other than where the characters end up. And there was a couple of things that uh, Eric mentioned that I didn't like because I thought they were so telegraphed. And that I would blame more on the director than the writing, maybe. Because they showed us something that said, look at this thing, pretend like it's not important, but we're telling you it's very important. So when you see it towards the end, you're like, okay, well, yeah, that's very important. I know. It's kind of very um, obvious symbolism as opposed to like, I guess, to me, like impactful. But then mileage varies. Uh, for me, it's three stars. Three stars. Mild recommend for Bruce. I love the ending yeah. of, this, of this movie. I thought it would, I thought it really worked as a drama. I thought the reveals were great. I, I, I do agree with you, Bruce, in the sense that some of the visual cues, use it once. Do a quick cut. We, <laughs> But the good thing about it is Charlie McDowell follows those tropes, meaning there are enough clues in Windfall that if you just, I mean, if you really like, for example, Eric Holmes gave it four and a half stars. I believe he will enjoy it even more the second time he watches it. So he's really invested in this movie. I can, I can see how people will really enjoy the movie because of some of the little, uh, sort of the, the, the little clues that are left along the way, the tray of the breadcrumbs. And I think the end, there's a, there's a, a visual cue that Eric mentioned earlier in the review that I think really works well, says a lot about the characters. It worked as a character development kind of film, and it surprised me. But I, again, I wanted more BDP Brian De Palma in to Windfall. I'm not blaming Charlie McDowell for that. Three and a half stars for me, three stars for, for Bruce. Mild recommend. And final word, since he loved it the most, Eric so, Holmes, four and a half. So I guess we got our answer on why they... Uh... <laughs> Get the embargo to the last. Minute. We all recommended the movie. We all oh, did. Yeah, but <laughs> in very I, 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 I'm like I'm like really high on this one, and and it's making me think it's like oh this is probably like a hold the dark, don't look up thing where I'm going to be the only one that loves. No, this, so. no, no. I recommend it. But three and a half stars. It's a solid. I, I do want to say to uh, to uh, Bruce's point about the the character. I, I do kind of agree with that without getting into it. The only defense I would give to it is based on the character based on one of the characters like it, that would make yeah. sense that that character would be there in the way it doesn't excuse it but yeah. obviously like uh some people have pro- i just say the, the script <laughs> needs to earn it the character you're talking about that makes sense logically but the script yeah. needs to earn it and not use it in the way they used it that's guess is my yeah. point and one last thing and this is just because eric hasn't seen this movie this can be directly compared to another movie we're going to yes. talk about very good which point. is far superior yes Charlie McDowell. I yeah. should uh, I should also mention that you guys probably watched this after the other movie that I didn't see, but I saw this after a movie we're not going to talk about. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Okay, honestly, you have a point there, sir. <laughs> Very good. The, the bottom line is we all recommended it in varying degrees. Yeah, it's well, not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Also, and, Jesse Plemons plays a really good asshole. Yeah, he's yes, really good. In this. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's very good uh, in this. Yeah. All the all the actors are really good in this, and their characters are good. I, I to me, it was the script that was. The, I didn't work for me as much. Well, look, the thing is also Charlie McDowell. You're he's like you're saying this is not a Hitchcockian thriller, but they're trying to mm-hmm. make it a Hitchcockian thriller. But it's made right. by a director who I'm feeling was more interested in the development of the characters and their inner workings. I I, I get that. But if you're going to tab yourself as a Hitchcockian thriller, most people are going to be interested in all so, of those visual elements. That, that could be marketing, though, right? I mean, that's yeah, how they're marketing true. it. And we've and we've talked about that too with like the the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Yeah. I thought Texas Chainsaw Massacre was fine, but it it set itself up as the uh, forget the other ones exist. This is the real one. So when you have that kind of expectation going in, it kind of affects the you know watching the movie itself. 
And so I, I didn't read the thing. So I didn't know anything about the Hitchcockian thrill. I just clicked on the link. Oh, also that uh, Bruce, I think you mentioned on the, on the thing about the uh, poster, <laughs> God awful poster. Um, oh God. Or, yes. That's oh, marketing I, too. They should fire their marketers. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> I like, oh, I thought that poster oops. was cool. I thought that poster was kind of cool. It was, but not for this no. movie. Really? It, it, it had, it had kind and of it's like the score movie. isn't quite right for this movie either. I don't think. I really, I, I love. Like the I, I I dug the score. So yeah, same here. Uh, but yeah, I that, love the score, not for this movie. Fair. Well, fair. Okay. Fair. Hey, 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 maybe that maybe that was the the tone of the whole thing. Right. Just mix everything <laughs> up and just see kind of what happens. Yeah, I, I just happen to like that stuff. Okay, it's like a telephone the movie where everyone puts in something and they just put them together and see if it makes sense. Speaking know. of telephones and putting things together like they're making sense, our next movie is Panama. The theaters, digital and on demand, March 18th. Good news, it stars Mel Gibson, stars Yellowstone's Cole Hauser. And yeah, so yeah, two good stars, two good actors. Hey, how's our Boy Scout doing down there? Getting pretty wild, huh? It is. Did you hear our chopper deal went south? Yeah, I did. Well, I got the million. Hey, good man. Panama's about to explode. I wouldn't be surprised if we invade the way things are going. Well, I hope you let me know if they start dropping bombs down here. Yeah, I'll give you a heads up on that one. Listen, Becker, the favor you asked of the DEA, I get it. But stand down. Enrique will be dealt with, okay? Stark, there's good people down here that need that chopper. Yeah, I know, I know. And we'll help them when we can, but now's not the time. Sir, this is the reason why I hate this business. Best I can do right now is get you a big fat Christmas bonus for putting up with the All right. Set in 1989 Panama and uh, Noriega and Xenianistas and all that stuff. There's a lot of political unrest in the area. Mel Gibson's a CIA sort of a head of the CIA, like a CIA bigwig or maybe dark agent. And he hires an ex-Marine played by Cole Hauser to go down to Panama and broker a deal to purchase a military helicopter in, in the middle of this whole civil strife and everything like that and for some reason this uh, ex-marine played by cole hauser he gets a job at a casino and that's in the casino with houses where he can actually broker that deal with the shady guy who's a coke who's sort of like a uh, scarface s kind of like a poor man scarface s uh, coke uh, snorting uh prostitute uh abusing or loving kind of dude he's he, he he becomes friends with one one of these uh one of these crime guys and that's a premise of the movie it's about how this ex-marine is trying to actually buy a helicopter and then he befriends someone in the and you know uh, a criminal who can get him to that helicopter via a one million dollar deal so that's a premise it's directed by mark neville dean neville dean is the filmmaker behind i believe ghost rider what is it ghost rider spirit of vengeance eric holmes and uh, crank and he co-directed crank very interesting filmmaker what you'll realize that it's directed by Mark Neville Dean because the first 10 to 15 minutes of this movie, there's shaky cam all over Panama. You're, you're thinking he's trying to make these uh, shots interesting by shaking the camera or cutting very quickly. And it has kind of that crank ask energy within, within Panama. My big thing is there's not a lot of action. There's a, there's about 30 to 35 minutes of exposition and plot stuff, which really didn't get me, but I'm going to give my final review. Towards the end of this discussion, let's start off with Bruce Perky. What did you think? Bruce Betts' well, Feast. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Betts' Feast, yes. I did learn something from this movie, which is something. Uh, I learned that if my wife dies before me, which hopefully that will not happen, and I become an irredeemable alcoholic, that I can order a reclining 
tombstone to be installed into the graveyard so I can make sure I have something to lean against while I'm drinking. <laughs> that was really helpful to me to know that about this movie because, I mean, I, I didn't know that, so that, that's that's cool. <laughs> terrible score, terrible writing, terrible characters, terrible editing and directing. Not one redeeming factor in this movie. I would give it negative stars if I could. That's it. Negative stars, aka zero stars for Bruce Berkey. Where do you land on this, Eric Holmes? Okay, so remember a few minutes ago when I said uh, that I saw a movie that we will not talk about? Mm-hmm. I thought we were going to do the other one. I didn't know we were going to do this one. This was the movie I was talking about. Yeah, Panama. Do you like the Van Halen song at least? They didn't play that in this, did they? No, they didn't. Spoiler alert. (laughs) No, I'm just saying. saying, No, they don't. um, They play the songs of this musician, singer-songwriter named Mick Fury. I actually like the music. I was listening to the songs on Spotify after watching this movie. Oh, God, no. The score was terrible. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Yeah, I I did not dig the score at all. It it sounded sounded like uh, anyone that... Guitar. Anyone that grew up in uh, was in the music scene around Omaha around the time I was with uh, late '90s, early 2000s. You'll recognize a lot of this music. Not that it's bands, but it sounded a lot like it just sounded like a really lame. Oh, how about this movie's trying to actually echo the movies that were released in no. 1989? No, nope. because no. I no. the thing is, I like Neville Dean as a director. And I know he knows good music because I saw Crank. I saw he had fucking Mike Patton do the music in Crank 2, for Christ's sakes. Like, I know that he, how bad the score was, just baffled me on this. And then that final song during the credits, like, it's just all the bad pain. It sounded like a, it sounded like a Trey, like, I thought it was a Trey Parker song. It, it sounded like a joke. I got emotional. This, this has, I like this that. has I like a lot of uh, cool. the same kind of uh, stuff that Neville Dean does in his other movies that I like. I think where it doesn't work on this is that, you know, Crank has a, a really uh, high concept. Oh, if this doesn't happen, uh, my heart's going to stop and I'm going to die. So I got to keep moving. I got to keep, and it just, it propels the story forward. Ghost Rider, you got Nick Cage with his head on fire, throwing chains around. You know that that, that keeps the interest, and it works with the with his filmmaking style. This one, there wasn't was there a story? There, there, I mean, there was a story. You know, it was pretty plot heavy and didn't really care about much of it. Yeah, this is not not good, and I don't understand why. This movie was shot during COVID for fourteen days. Okay, so they they were under a lot of, I guess, stress. Mark Neville Dean was under a lot of stress, I'm sure, just to get this under within 14 days. That said, when a cinephile is going to purchase or rent rent or purchase Panama, they're not thinking about the 14 days that Mark Neville Dean and the cast and crew were working really hard to get this movie made. Kudos to them. This movie has, to me, it tried to be a throwback 1980s fun Tony Scott, Walter Hill kind of movie, but it just doesn't work. Even on a cheesy level, I, I just mentioned recently the Exorcism, the Exorcism of God, cheesy film, loved it. This movie, it doesn't even go for the cheese. It's, it tries to be serious, but it's really not. It's, it, the execution's really bad. The only thing that actually, the reason why I actually liked it a little bit more than you, Bruce, is, well, I'll give a star to Cole Hauser and Mel Gibson. I like seeing them on screen, but this was a torture to actually get through. I mean, <laughs> yes. I don't know what they were. And when you're thinking about, oh, I wonder what Mark Neveldine is going to think do with his camera next, you're not supposed to be thinking that. You're supposed to be actually enraptured with the story or at least say and this is just neville dean trying to show off with a low budget movie in 14 days i get it he's talented but a not much material to work with and i just felt this whole movie was really uninspired for me this is a generous one star there's a girl in this movie an actress named kiara liz she plays a woman who gets involved with the ex-marine becker they have a couple of sex scenes which 
I mean, the 14-year-old in me says, wow, Kiara Liz, very beautiful woman. And I actually wish she, she's, she seems like a, not a bad actress. Wish she actually had more lines in this movie rather than just maybe showing off her body, which I know yeah. they were trying to go for that throwback 80s vibe. But yeah, it just pretty much struck out in all counts, man. Just, well, doesn't it almost make, I mean, you can have those cheesy movies and those scenes, but it almost makes you feel bad for the actresses too in this movie like it's almost mistreating the actresses as well like i mean sure everyone's agreeing they're consenting but for this <laughs> this mean, movie uh, did not know what it wanted to be is it a serious no. is it a serious drama you know, about crime in the 80s or is it a cheesy film doesn't what uh, i thought about this movie is this is what so you know how they're always the joke about adam sandler and he goes and and gets all of his buddies and they go take a vacation and that's how they end up with the movie they end up with. But usually there's at least a, a, a script to go with it. This kind of seems like, what if a bunch of action buddies, like action film buddies got together and said like, hey, let's have an excuse to go to this place and hang out in this hotel for 14 days, I guess it was, but not have a script. Oh. That's what it felt like. Wow. Yeah. So zero stars for you. Actually, no stars for you, Bruce. One star for me. Eric, what do you give it? Well, first of all, I do want to point out one part that I absolutely loved in this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was when the guy's shooting the gun. I think it was like a... SKS with like a banana clip or something like that. Uh, maybe an AK-47. I'm not a huge gun guy. The guy is shooting. He's shooting his gun and air guitaring with the gun as he's shooting people. Oh, yeah, yeah. If this movie had more of that in it, this would be like a five-star banger for me. Unfortunately. How much you want to bet that was the actor that made that up too? <laughs> yeah, fucking go nuts with shit. Like, like the, this, is, this is the – and similar with the Crank movies, this is – those are the kind of movies that he's fucking great at. And if there was like more of that in there, this would have been a five-star movie. Um, as it is, I'd have to give it zero stars, but they did have the air guitar with the gun scene. So that's where the one star is coming from. That that said, I haven't given up on Neville Dean yet. And I hope his next one, whatever, whatever he needs to make something that's just fucking balls out bonkers and just really lean in and go for it. All right. So that is Panama Zero. For Bruce, one for both me and Eric. That is not a good cumulative rating score for Panama, <laughs> which is in theaters, digital, and on demand on Friday. Oh, also Mel cumulative Gibson. Cumulative score of two from oh, three Mel, people. <laughs> Mel, Mel friggin' Gibson, by the way. Listeners, if you're thinking of just getting this because, oh, you want to see Mel Gibson? Sure. Mel Gibson's in this movie for about eight minutes. And they, they actually justify screen time because he's actually the what? He's the de facto narrator in this movie. Everything seems so arbitrary with Panama. Oh my God. Let's let's move on from Panama and let's travel to Chicago. One, yes. One last yes, thing. Sir. I do recommend seeing this. Watch this movie before you watch Windfall. Watch this movie before you watch <laughs> Don't Look Up and watch this movie before you watch Hold the Dark. Maybe it'll make you love those movies as much as I do. That's funny. Okay. So when we're going from Panama. We're moving to, we're traveling to Chicago and the app title the outfit i'll be back take master richie with you this is the safest place right now please at least take that that thing with you too many hard boys out there you've been loyal customers i depend upon you not once not once have i ever asked about your business i don't i don't judge i just don't want to be involved in whatever it is you do English. You know exactly what it is that we do. No, sir. I, I actually don't know anything. I don't know what that is. I don't know why all these gentlemen are looking for it. If they come here, I won't be able to placate their suspicions. 
I'm useless to you. I'm a liability. I, I only just want to be left alone. But you're not alone, English. Like it or not, now you're part of the family. What's interesting about the outfit? It is uh, Bruce. Do you love this title? Uh, it's it's um, yeah, it's good. It's on. on the nose a little bit, but I, I understand. I understand. I understand the double meaning. Yeah. Come on, yeah. The, the outfit yes. is the suit, or you get it's a little uh, cute when you're in Chicago. <laughs> you, you know, the outfit could yeah. be a, another moniker for the mob that's ruling all the place, and they do all their double deals in some kind of local steakhouse, downing all that wine and. <laughs> And T-Bone Steak. I don't know. It's really cool. The outfit. That's not the movie that we're talking about. This movie, it centers on an expert tailor. The tailor is played by Mark Rylance. You might know him from Bridge of Spies. He's uh, just a really, very meek guy. It's just him and his assistant. His assistant's played by Zoe Deutsch. And he lives a nice life. I mean, just a simple life. His job is to be a tailor. Actually, he hates the word tailor. He's a cutter. He's a person who makes outfits for his various clientele. Unfortunately... The big, the big majority of his clientele, they're friggin' mobsters, and they use his tailor shop, his shop, as a drop-off for messages among various mobsters within the community. Okay, so everything seems to be going well until the fateful day when there's some messages delivered in this Dropbox that's that actually uh, suggests that there's going to be a meeting of the minds among various mobsters within Chicago, and it's going to be a very tense day, tense kind of encounter. Ultimately, what happens is that the cutter, aka t- the cutter slash tailor, his name's Leonard, played by Mark Rylance, he realizes he's caught in the crossfire amongst a whole, just maybe whole factions of mobsters and his his job is to keep himself alive as the day progresses, as well as keep his assistant, Mabel, played by Zoe Deutsch, safe. Okay, Bruce, what did you think of the outfit? Well, it's, first of all, I guess, what is the, what do you, was it, you always say, um, barrier to entry, right? That's always your, sure, your right. phrase, I think. Uh, a barrier to entry on this is you have to keep in mind, this could easily be a stage play. Yes. Like the way this is presented is presented with actors coming in and out of this location, I think exclusively. Exclusively. I don't think we ever no, leave. No, no. We never leave the tailor shop. Uh, but people come in and out and the story progresses. Another thing that you kind of didn't mention, and I'm not going to get into plot details other than to say there's an element of a rat. There is a rat in this group of characters that come in and out of here and no one is quite sure who the rat is and that leads to a lot of suspicion and you know kind of like in the thing or something right there's a you know there's a thing in one of these guys well there's a rat in the group of mobsters and or maybe the tailor himself no one knows um, and that adds a lot of tension as well uh, i just thought it was really funny because we had this big long conversation about hitchcockian thriller with um windfall this is a hitchcockian thriller this is absolutely a Hitchcockian thriller. There are even direct nods to something like um, Rope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was watching I with Hitchcock my mom, and I go, Mom, I said, Mom, look, it's Rope. Oh, yeah, there's a little right, bit yeah, of, yeah. Uh, what is it, um, Arsenic and Old Lace in this, which is not Hitchcock, but, you know, right. kind of always feels like it's kind of in that uh, camp as well. This movie does the things that I wish Windfall had done. This has a very strong and self-assured st- tone. And if you like the tone, you'll like this movie. 
It's got. Go ahead. Say. say you're, so you got, you're, you're, you're on the edge of your seat throughout the entire movie. Something right. that Windfall fails to do. There's. I mean, there is supposed to be tension right. in Windfall, and they they like they they do it in a very casual fashion. But in this thing, every single second seems very important and stressful. Yes. Yeah. And there's impeccable production design. There are details shown to you early on, but you don't know any have any idea how those are going to always all all play out. And they all do play out. This is an intricate clockwork script that it's not a whodunit, but it plays in the way that a great whodunit does. A great whodunit gives you lots of little elements. And if you can piece them together, or even if you don't piece them together, by the end, they should all thread together and you should see the full picture. That's what this movie does. I think this is a excellent movie. I loved this movie. I think some people are going to be a little bored by it. It's going to be a little slow for them. It's not going to be a little too talky. So for some people, they might like it okay, but not love it. This hit me at the right moment, the right time. I, this is five star. Five, five stars. Five stars. You know, I also, really like this movie. In fairness to Windfall, I, I was fine with those little clues that Windfall left, and obviously yeah. Eric was too. But the clues left in the outfit are amazing. Just all of right. these little details and how they add up, and you go, oh my gosh. What and the th- reveals. Oh, forget it. The amazing. reveals are amazing. And it's satisfying. That's the thing about it. Like, I, I I don't know. I mean, I know that Eric really was satisfied with the end of Windfall. And it, it was it was solid. It was good. But this is like, it's like you had a great meal. And at the end, you're like, okay, yeah, that was awesome. We're going to be talking about great meals. a great meal. And it's like, I really got to take a shit now. Yeah, no. Yes. It's a, it's and then a you go meal. watch Panama. <laughs> yeah, and then you watch Panama. No, so this is, uh, this is, it's interesting. It's the directorial debut of Graham Moore. Graham Moore is best known for his 2014 screenplay, The Imitation Game. Very fine film there. So it's a very, very well done. And like you said, I think intricate clockwork type of thriller. I think people who really love this genre will really appreciate what the outfit is all about. We also have to mention the, some of the, a couple of the mobsters. Richie, yes. who is the son of the mob boss, is played by Dylan O'Brien, which is very cool because years ago, Dylan O'Brien was going to be sort of groomed as the heir apparent as far as, far as like a, a, a big time A-list actor because thanks to his early work in the Maze Runner, Bruce and Eric, you loved him in what, in that movie, Love and Robots, right? So he, right? Mm-hmm. What was that movie? Yes. Yeah. So you, you liked him in there. But in this movie, he it's just a really great character role. And he, he pretty much disappears into this role as Richie. You don't, you're, you're not thinking, oh, that's not all American charismatic guy. Dylan O'Brien, he's doing a Steve Buscemi kind of thing going. I, I like that. And then also opposite him is Johnny Flynn. He plays this this uh, mobster named Francis. He's not the son of the mobster, he's but great. he's He's fantastic. <laughs> he's freaking he's so fit. good. Yeah. And Johnny Flynn, obviously me, you, uh, all three of us loved Johnny Flynn's work in that movie Beast, right? So, and he, so again, Johnny Flynn is very, very good as the other mobster and sort of, even though he, they work together, he's sort of a rival to the, the, the son of, um, the Dylan O'Brien character. So very intricate, intricate, well done drama. Eric, too bad you, you weren't able to actually see this movie. This is probably, this is a fantastic film. The outfit, it hits theaters on Friday. I can't wait till it gets on digital and, and on demand. For me, this is, I'm going to give it four and a half stars for me. It just absolutely really worked. I'm glad. Huge recommendations from both of us for the outfit. Okay. I really want to have Eric watch this movie because I'm curious if he likes it because I feel like as a writer or a lover of writing, I feel like you'd really like this movie. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. But I, I might, but I'm going to give it three stars to uh, just, to just to spite us. <laughs> you guys are like, Windfall, fuck your movie. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of weird because you talked about how you liked Windfall better because of uh, Panama. 
And I think I would have liked Windfall better if I hadn't have seen this. Because yeah. to me, I was comparing the two because they kind of work in similar ways all the way along. And all I could think of was like, well, Windfall, you're not doing it as well as as this other movie I just saw. So I think it hurt Windfall for me. I probably would have been kind of like a, The Illusionist came out around the same time as The Prestige. And I love yeah. The Prestige. And Illusionist isn't bad, but I saw it after watching The Prestige. And I'm like, well, this movie fucking sucks, blah, blah, blah. And then I go back and watch you know, The Illusionist years later. And I was like, it was pretty good. You know, yeah. you, you get you, like you can't help it. You know, sometimes yeah. to compare movies and also point, I, point being, I'm still gonna shit on this movie just because you guys didn't like when falls. It's fair. So, That's totally fair. It's fair. It's I'm fair. not really okay. gonna. I'm not really gonna do that. Yeah. Again. La- yeah. Last thing on on the outfit. <laughs> I just loved how they didn't go over. It wasn't more than it that it intended to be. It was just this finely crafted piece of work that just didn't go over the lines. Meaning it, it did. It wasn't like a. There were no arbitrary choices. It seemed like a very focused narrative and very tight yeah. and, and lean. And also, I don't know if you agree with this, but it, it does have rewatchability factor when you say, hey, yeah. this is a cool movie. Let's go check it out. So I, I can't wait to either get it on Blu-ray, DVD, or digital. Yes, Eric? Real quick, with uh, watching the bad movie before a, a decent movie, do you think Panama would be better if you saw Panama before watching Panama? <laughs> <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. You can yeah. Cut that very, part very out. good. Very good. Yeah, no, no, no worries. Okay, so for our our weekly recommend, we have a movie that Bruce and Eric saw. This it's directed by, as I, I don't know, do you call him Xavier Jens or Xavier Jens? I forgot. I think I even asked him. I interviewed him several months ago, but I still haven't seen this movie. Bruce, what's the movie that you and Eric are, are talking about this week? Frontiers. Frontier? I don't even know how to say it either, because there's an S in apostrophe, or like in parentheses. I've never understood that exactly. Um, this is a, uh, a French extremity movie. We talked about one last week, which was Inside. And this is from 2007 by the director, which I can't pronounce either, so I won't say it. <laughs> it's either so Xavier how- or Xavier. Xavier yeah, Jens. One know. of those. Yeah. I don't know. I would like to call this... <laughs> And I'll see what Eric says about this. I would like to call this the second best Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that, that has ever been made. And that's kind of weird to say because this takes place in France. Uh, so it starts out and it's like during um, like uh, riots and upheaval in, uh, I don't know if it said it was Paris where it said it was. I forget at the beginning. And once again, chime in when you want, Eric. But um, And this What's group it? of young... Oh, they uh, gang of young thieves flee Paris during a violent aftermath of a political election only to hold up at an inn run by neo-Nazis. There you go. <laughs> and this movie, and what happens is the, there's like two groups that come, they, they get split up. So one group gets to this, like, it looks like just like a boarding house or something first, these two dudes. And they think they've got really lucky because it's almost like the old Joker, the old, you know, ribald tale of the farmer's daughter or whatever. And it's kind of one of those deals where like, whoa, these these hot French women here in this farmhouse are happy to see us show up. It doesn't quite go very well for them. It's over the top. It's crazy. It's gory. It's intense. It's outlandish. It's not the best, but it's a pretty, pretty uh, wild ride. I guess I put it that way. I think this one, because um, we talked about Inside, I think this has mm-hmm. kind of a lot more going on than Inside does, because Inside is just straight up meat and potatoes. We'll throw this character in the situation and fuck with them throughout the entire movie. This one's got, you know, some certainly some political takes on it. The weird thing I noticed, like with this and with Inside and 
might be a stretch with martyrs, but a lot of these movies seem to they they like the idea of birth, like yeah, that's pre- true. Pregnant women and like playing with the idea of birth. Maybe it's like a maybe it's like the idea that uh, you know when uh, you give when you give birth. I've never given birth, so I'm speaking out my ass right now. Uh, any female listeners can take note of that and call me a shithead, and I'd probably deserve it. But that the idea is that like from what I understand, giving birth is very painful. And then at the end, ideally, you have a baby and it's it's like the you went through hell to get to, you know, this this place that you can finally have solace or what, what, whatever, whatever a baby represents to you. And it, it seems that these movies do a lot of that, you know, it, it start off as a thing and then they just go through that torture and they go through that hell. And then spoiler alert at the end, you know, not everyone makes it out, but some people nope. make it out. <laughs> Um, I, I would go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, it, 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 that that was it. It was just, it was just a, a weird thing I noticed. I I don't know if that's what the uh, birth idea that permeates these type of movies is, but that's kind of what I picked. Did up you on. mention even to Titan recently? Does it yeah. too? Yeah. One thing I want to mention about this movie, I think that what sets it apart, it could just be this kind of grueling like survival gore fest torture fest but i think two things that set it apart one is the location is really odd and almost this crazy so you know how in the original texas chainsaw massacre you have the house and they're kind of go all around the house and inside and outside of it and it's kind of this uh, evil fun house almost and this is similar in that there's just these two locations and there's this underground like mine and there's all kinds of weird stuff to encounter along the way which i think keeps it interesting and then you gotta admit that the uh the family characters are very interesting as well. And the the big bad Nazi father is played very, very well and very creepily by the guy who does that. I didn't even look up his name, but he's he's pretty incredible. I'm I'm, I'm gonna hang on this uh birth metaphor because when they get in the car crash and they get to the house, what do they do? They crawl through a tunnel and they kind of get stuck in there and they gotta be birthed into hell. That's true. I, That's so true. It goes the opposite of what I was talking about, but kind of you know what? Maybe I'll just watch a lot more of these and see if we can come up with the, the, the pattern's not there, but I'm going to find a pattern regardless. Birth patterns. Where, where do you guys see this at? I have it on DVD, but the DVD is like stored away. I, I just watch it run it on YouTube, which okay, is cool. my normal go-to. Hey, I own the movie, but fuck it. I'm going to run it on YouTube anyway. Okay, and uh, get but, it stre- streamed on AMC Plus. Yes, Eric? I was just going to say that uh, I do agree with uh, Bruce that this is very, uh, was it uh, Chanson Massacre du Paris? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, so that is Frontier or Frontiers, d- directed by Xavier Jens or Xavier Jens. I, I, you know what? I'm going to go back to my interview with him from a year and a half and listen. Maybe I asked him how to actually pronounce his name. I forgot. Again, the ratings NC-17. Runtime, 108 minutes, streaming on AMC Plus and Shutter, or you can, like Eric did, you can actually rent it in various places. He did it on YouTube. Finally, before we do, we are joined by our weekly guest, Peter Beta. Bruce, no, no, have you guys been talking to Peter Beta lately? What's what's been going on with with middle class film class? Have you been listening to any stuff? Anything going no, going on? Nothing. No? Nothing. I have no no contact whatsoever. No contact with oh no contact with Peter Beta. I, okay, I, I listened by an episode. No, oh, you did. Oh, oh, there's, there's, oh, okay. Eric, do you have any clues to that? I, yes. I do. Listen to film class or middle class film class, and uh, you'll get to hear an interview with uh, Bruce. 
or you'll hear when? about an interview that. <laughs> oh, there was an interview with Bruce recently on Middle Class Film Class. That, Bruce's. They did, did, did not. Uh, I, I think there were technical difficulties, if I remember uh, correctly. Oh, technical difficulties or just difficulties because Bruce is difficult as a human being. Maybe we'll no, see. No, <laughs> all right so anyways just, just listen to middle class film class yeah just listen to middle class film class it's uh who who's in it it's uh joseph navarro tyler what's it tyler noe right tyler what yeah and then also who else there's, there's that guy Peter beta when he's not doing middle class film class what is he doing every single week eric holmes what is he doing every single oh, week for us pete? oh pete why don't you go ahead and drop that beat who's in the box oh what's in the box you lie! No! What's in the fucking box? This week's box movie is Babette's Feast. I think Eric ended up watching it. Greg, have you ever seen Babette's Feast? Babette's Feast? Never heard of it. Who gave you the... Who, who recommended it? I think if it was recommended by Mark Crimmins. I think Joseph Bridges also might think... I think he might have said this is his favorite movie of all time. I know there's several uh, of our uh, very loyal contributors on Cinematics page uh, have mentioned that they like this movie quite a bit. Who said it's one of his favorite films or his favorite film was it Ken Cunningham or Mark Crimmins, one of those people? Oh, just uh, those people, Yeah. Joseph Bridges too. Yeah, yeah it, 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 on the on the uh, cinematics, he seemed pretty. He seemed pretty high on it. Okay, cool. So I rented this. Uh, it is also available, I believe, on HBO Max. Probably rentable everywhere. Uh, it's from 1987, directed by is it Gabriel Axel? I think is how you say it. Gabriel Axel. Um, yes. Yes. And this is uh, the basic concept. Is it starts out in this like remote. 19th century fishing village in I want to say is it Denmark? I think it's Denmark. And there's this very pious elderly pair of women walking through this very remote village kind of off to their house and there's a narrator kind of talking about them and they are sisters and they get to their house uh, they and they you know help their community and everything and they get to their house they are greeted by their maid Babette a French maid the narrator even says like immediately you're thinking like well how did these people get a French maid that makes no sense and the narrator immediately says how did they get a French maid <laughs> that's how it starts and then you get a flashback and you get to see two men that come into the lives of, you know, one for each sister and kind of how those early life altering experiences kind of affect them. And then you kind of snap back to the the future. And then there's uh, a whole thing about Babette and how they get her into their lives. And then, of course, eventually it leads up to the feast from the title. Wow, this is a great movie. Uh, I will be interested to hear what uh, Eric says about it as well. Uh, I would rate things one to five stars, and then there's occasionally another rating, which is classic, and that's my own personal thing, and that's what this rates to me. This is almost as good as Panama, movie. almost as classic as Panama, almost as good as Panama. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, are, this... are they just going to change the name from Panama to Dead Horse since we're going to keep beating? <laughs> <laughs> just beat it, and it'll keep making that terrible like guitar noodling while we do it i'm cool with this that. movie is just is just if you could describe to people how to write just a picture perfect just picture perfect script this is how you create characters this is how it's almost fairy tale or fable like in a sense that it's you know it's it's kind of a whole life in one movie but it's not to me, it's not boring, and these kind of period pieces totally can be to people, and it might be to people, but to me, this is just one of those kind of soul-enriching movies as well. And even The Feast itself, which you kind of see these kind of movies where they lead up to a big meal or a big giant feast where everyone's getting cooked different meal, you know, different dishes and things. And usually, when that happens, 
the cooking is what's focused on, and that becomes this big uh, set piece. And there's a little bit of that in this, but it actually is more of how this group of people react and how the story kind of comes together as they're getting all the various courses. And it's it's amazing. It's really so good. All right, Babette's Feast. Did you like it too, Eric? What do you think? I like the last half really good. <laughs> For those listening, I just did a spoiler, so Greg cut that out. Uh, yeah, thank I, you, I just cut that out. I cut that but, out. Uh, I was a cutter in the outfit. I cut it out. <laughs> Eric, that's a naughty, naughty spoiler. You shut your big mouth. But uh, anyway, um, I, I, I guess without, because I would have to explain stuff that happens in the last half. I, I guess where I really shine to this movie is that this movie values art. There's things that happen where the, the characters are actively trying to they're actively trying not to appreciate the art for religious reasons or pious reasons. And then they can't, they can't help themselves. And, and the, the, the movie kind of really beautifully, I think says that this kind of thing has value and the character of Babette. I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I I, I just really like Can this. I? I, I really like this movie. And I really, I, I think that last, uh, the last line in the movie, I posted on cinematics. You can read that if you want. I don't think that gives anything away, but it's a really beautiful last line that I think just encapsulates what, what this movie does best. And um, I think maybe for people, you know, my kind of take on movies, this probably isn't going to be for you, but, or, you know, I think about the halfway point on is probably where this movie really ramps up for me. And I really appreciated it. Well, and would you agree that the, the second half, the stuff that happens in the first half is paid off in the second half too. It like was, a lot but of the I stuff. Kinda, I was kind of checked out in the first half. So right. <laughs> that so was a lot of the, the stuff. That, and for example, like I'm not even going to say what they say, but that last line is someone, something that's said earlier by another character so that, you even understand the concept of that. And I would even add on to it, like what you said about art is absolutely true in this. But I would also add that what's really interesting about this movie and is really value added in a philosophical sense is it really plays the idea of religious devotion, religion versus being a truly, um, it's hard to say, like, okay, something as simple as Christian, like being a great Christian, a loving and true Christian versus a religiously devout person. And how those can sometimes be two very different things. And it does it in a very elegant way, I think, as well. And like you said, art is another piece of that. And there's a lot of stuff about art, too. And the fact that those can could maybe be the same thing. There's a lot of interesting philosophical stuff here. And I think that um, this is one of those true movies where there's not really an, a, a bad guy, you know, or a bad woman or anything. It's philosophical and can be truly um, kind of soul-enriching and inspiring and awesome for people it's a really good movie movie also has an immense watchability factor we're talking about movies like maybe towards the end of mr smith goes to washington or it's a wonderful life if you're a western fan the the last five to ten minutes of the searchers there are in cinema i can understand why one of our members i don't know if it's mark crimmins ken cunningham or joseph and it's not joseph bridges either it's either mark crimmins or ken cunningham who said that this is their favorite movie it's just one of those films that you can just watch over and over again because the dinner, you, you can remember all of those. Li- I, I actually saw the dinner sequence four or five times already since in the last 24 hours. So basically the last 30 minutes of this movie is just worth watching because you get to actually be, become a member of Babette's Feast. And you get to get this whole really subtle discussion about the sacred and the profane, about 
art versus religion, faith, sensuality, morality, the issues of what is truly divine grace. You know, it really depends on the person. Oh, it's a very, I think, right, right across the board. We talk about barrier of entry. The barrier of entry is people, this is set in Denmark. It has subtitles. The lead actress, Stefan Audran, she's French. She had to learn a little bit of the language to actually work on Babette's Feast. So there's a lot of different layers to this movie. But, you know, if you actually take the time out, like Eric did, and we all did with the first 30 minutes, get into it. If you just let yourself get lost in the story, I think this is one of these movies that will be a seminal experience for you. So for me, an easy five stars for Babette's Feast, a classic rating for Bruce Perky. Eric Holmes, what is your rating on Babette's Feast? Well, the, the first half's a one star, the last half's five stars, so split the difference and then add one. And we'll, we'll just go four stars, because I, I, as much as I hated that first half, I think it pays off well in, on the back half. So four oh, stars. Four star, so four stars for Eric Holmes. Yeah, I just, I was blown away. And again, I think, Bruce, you mentioned it correctly. I think that one of the big, really cool misdirects is you're thinking, it's a movie about cooking, it's a movie about food, and there are moments about that, but it's really about... This, th- these people, these wonderful people, religious devout people who live on this small town called Jutland. Yes, Eric. Another thing this movie does really well, and in, in, in the last half, in the last half, we just got right. But uh, the the part where they're eating, it, it captures uh, quiet moments with people. People enjoying, like uh, you, you go to watch a movie with someone, you're not talking, but you both are enjoying your time together, uh, eating, you know, eating a meal is kind of the same thing. You, you know, you're eating together. You're not talking because you're eating, but like you're sharing, you're sharing moments with each other, uh, just being together. And I, I think this movie captures that very well. Yeah, I love everything about this. Also, it's written by Karen Blixen. She's best known to people as Isaac Dennison. Dennison is the writer behind, well, a lot of us know that book turned movie out of Africa. So yeah, very, very, I, I can't, you know, I, I even want to read the this, this short story. I, I love this movie so, so much. I saw it on the Criterion channel. Where did you guys see it, guys? Where did you guys see it? Uh, oh, Criterion I think channel. Uh, Bruce, where did you rent it? HBO Max. HBO yeah, Max. it's on HBO Max. I rented it from, I want to say, Amazon Prime. Because if I can represent, rent it, if I have to rent it, I rent it from Amazon Prime usually because you get all that, you know, they have all the, the uh, trivia and stuff that pops up. Oh, right. Yeah, when yeah. When you're yeah. watching it. There was a lot of cool stuff in this. The ba- the biggest one that I caught was, and we'll move along, is that originally they had slated for Babette, Catherine Deneuve. She would have been Would you like to have seen that? She, she didn't been. take it. She didn't take it because she was, I guess they thought that anytime she went into like a really ordinary role, she kind of got ignored. So they didn't put her into this because it'd be too ordinary. She missed out. It, didn't this movie win, or maybe you mentioned it already, didn't this win like an Oscar for something? Like a best foreign language yes feature. won the oscar yeah. for that and won the oscar okay yeah good for them a little catherine Deneuve story for our interviews for indochine obviously catherine Deneuve from belle de jour and the umbrellas of cherbourg and beautiful woman she's the only actor actress when she actually walked into the four seasons hotel round table with me and my fellow radio journalists she insisted that we close the curtains so no, no light would hit her directly in the face. <laughs> that is the Catherine Deneuve story. Oh, she's a wonderful, wonderful person. But yeah, Diva, the first. But awesome. But, but awesome. And we're, awesome and we're going to cut to that interview right now. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Right I love, now. Right now. I wish I had the tip no for way. that. <laughs> All right. So that is it. That Those are our 
oh, you know what? A couple of things. We're not going to have a Bruce Perky uh, What's in the Box next week. We have Eric Holmes. You're going to mention what movie are we going to cover next week? Or what is your movie choice for the Dean Koontz Wallet Watch? Uh, um, <laughs> oh, you, you forgot had time to think uh, about this, sir. <laughs> no, I did, and I had one. You had uh, one be, because it, it it was one I haven't seen yet. No, no, you, you want me to and be I next? I can be next. Oh, what was it? What was yours? No, it, I I had it earlier. Like that'd be a good one because that was one I've been meaning to see, and I don't think they've seen it yet, and it kind of got forgotten. So that'd be a good one for this. I can't remember, remember the name? How about this? Leave a leave a spot, and then when you think of it, record it, send it to Greg, and he'll drop it in <laughs> no, right no, no. now. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not going to drop anything right now. <laughs> the movie Eric picked was Blank Man. No, no, it Blank really Man. No, no. It's not going to be Blank Man. I'm going to no, actually hide. I'm going to actually hijack this, and then Eric, you're going to have two two times during the month to actually pick your thing. My choice for next week, I would I will uh, hijack this. My choice for next week is this movie called Scream of Fear. Scream of Fear. Wait, you yes. Can't get, you can't get Scream of Fear. You have to actually get. You actually. Uh, you can't actually get it on 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 Amazon. I don't think. Can you get? I don't think can you, you can buy get it. it. Oh, look! I remember. I was I was trying to look for this because you keep talking about it. We're gonna figure something out. You don't remember the name, Eric, of the of the movie? I don't even remember the movie. I I, I remember because I was doing a bunch of parts runs at my work uh, earlier today. And it popped in my head, and I was like, "Ooh, that's that's the one. That's the one. That's gonna be so good." And I can't, I can't even remember. I could pick a bo- movie from the box, and next week you pick it. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, pick a movie from the box, Bruce. All right, everybody. What's <laughs> in the you, box? If you lived through all that talking, <laughs> God bless you. Yeah. Babette, bless you. Uh, okay. Hey, Bruce, Eric doesn't know what fucking movie you pick. Why don't you just put some in the See, box? See, I always have a box full of movies. If we're ever in trouble, I can always pick a movie yeah, from the box. I can't believe I forgot that. That's going to bug the crap out of me. All right. Oh, Eric, uh, Greg, Yeah. get ready to be happy. Which one? What you got? I have picked In the Mood for Love. Oh, oh nice. Long Car Y. That should have been really that, – that's. I'll, I'll watch that again. I'll watch that again. So that, That's my favorite brain fart I've had in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our next pick for next week, we're going to do the Dean Koontz Wallet Watch towards actually May 18, 25th. Yeah, that'll be in time for Eric. Eric will do the Dean Koontz Wallet Watch for the last week of March. Next week, the Bruce Perky pick is in the mood for love. Who who chose that for us? Was that a Matt Stillman pick? Uh, I just put it down as Greg because I know that you've said how awesome it is. <laughs> so just... Yeah, this is not uh, – I don't even know if this uh, PC to actually – Say this right. I don't care. But okay. So yeah, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to in the mood for love. I'll review why that movie is very, a very personal film for me and actually quite the life changing film for me. So we'll, we'll be ca- talking about in the mood for love next week. And we have a couple other movies. Eric, any final thoughts? Oh, uh, we're just stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, work fried my brain today and I'm glad to be talking with you guys. And I apologize to everyone listening, especially Neville Dean. I really like your movies. And yeah, I, you know, Neville Dean, I don't apologize to you whatsoever. I'm a horrible human being. Eric is yes, a wonderful he does. person. He didn't mean, he didn't mean he, that. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean Greg that. Greg is didn't. very drunk and on uh, all the uh, drugs, and he did uh, not the, mean what he said. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, anyways, you're, you're forgiven, Eric. You were great today. Anyways, Bruce, final thoughts, final words. If you could see me right now, I am hanging from wires, and I just want to say Panama, Panama, ah, ah, ah. All right, guys. Panama. All right. I don't have to edit that. I don't I don't I don't I don't think I have to edit that. We will see you guys next week on Find Your Film.